has there ever been a, a down point for you and what's something that you guys took from it or you took from it personally? Oh yeah, I've had down points. All trial lawyers have down points, right? I, I remember being in a courtroom one time after a trial where a judge looked at me and just said, you gotta have better prepared, you have to better prepare your clients. And I'm like, judge, I spent four hours with her yesterday. What do you want me to do? So that's a down point. I've had other things go wrong in a courtroom where you can't get something into evidence. You just feel like you've been kicked in the teeth on the way out the door. And then the only thing to do after that happens to you is to, as quickly as you can, get back into another courtroom and try again because it might be the wrong defense lawyer the wrong judge or sometimes as a lawyer like you are right you are actually legally factually right and the judge is wrong and there you don't have any control over that at least at the, the trial court level so that happens but the remedy is you just have to get back in and get back up and do it again Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Master podcast. We're your hosts, I'm MPS. Hey, and I'm Richard James. And folks, we're excited today because not only are we going to get to talk to an attorney who has gone through the struggles and all of the things that happen when you're building a law firm, but we're also talking to somebody who works with attorneys, kneecap to kneecap, to help them understand how to gain some hope in their life and find better ways to market their firm. And so his dad has been a lifelong friend of mine for a lot, let's call it the last 15 years. And I've gotten the pleasure of knowing Brian. And so Brian Glass, welcome to the call today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to be on, and it's fun uh, getting to do this now. We just got to meet up together, all of us down in Atlanta, for a little mastermind, which was super fun to do. So excited to be able to carry the conversation over to today. If you've seen anything on the show before, you know we like to kick things off with a little bit of an icebreaker. So we like to start with what's something that maybe not everyone knows about you? Uh, I love this question. Um, when I was in high school, I had spiky blonde hair and played trombone in a ska band. And for $7, you can have a copy of one of our CDs that are still in my basement. <laughs> That's great. It, it, it's actually a little bit hard to imagine. <laughs> That's why I don't have any hair. In it. It's got to be a contributing factor. <laughs> yep. Maybe what you do, Brian, is you send us a picture of that. And I'll send and I'll also send a picture of me with spiky hair and we can show them both on the video version of this podcast. I mean, the editors <laughs> drop them in there. All right. You send your picture. I'll send mine because I, I promise you I even had a mullet. I don't know if you had a mullet, but I had a mullet. In, they are and, uh, coming back. My, I mean, oh. my, I'm coaching my kids, my 10 year old, my eight year olds, soccer and and baseball teams. And the number of kids with mullets would shock you. Joe Dirt. <laughs> Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt, they're on the rise. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's fun. That, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think that's certainly something that not everyone knows about. It's certainly something I, I didn't. So that that's pretty cool. So why don't you tell us, because you have this cool story of, one, being able to actually help law firm owners, and two, being an attorney and a law firm owner yourself kind of going mm. through this, this journey. So why don't you give us the broad strokes a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey as an attorney so far? Yeah. So thank you. So my legal path is that I graduated law school in 2008, which was into the teeth of the Great Recession. 
And that, you know, I was one of those people that went to law school with the promise that you were going to make $160,000 as a starting salary coming out of school. And I ended up with 150 some odd rejection letters from firms just like that. And the firm that I did go and work for initially was a general practice firm billing by the hour. And I hated it. I, you know, I, because what happens for young lawyers, especially is you in your mind, you're like, that shouldn't have taken five hours or that shouldn't. Have, so you trim it back. And nobody ever really teaches you or taught me how to bill and how to do that correctly. So anyway, I lasted there for like four months. And then I ended up at a personal injury plaintiff's auto accident firm where you are no longer tied dollars to hours, right? Mm -hmm. The whole idea of the personal injury practice is to design marketing and networks that attract high dollar easy, quote, easier cases, right? Because now I can work fewer hours on higher dollar cases and lever my way up, lever my time up through that. So I worked uh, for the first 10 years of my career at a plaintiff's auto accident firm and our niche was Korean, to be honest. My boss was uh, half Korean, looked Korean enough and had enough Korean connections that we had 70% of our client base was Korean speaking, didn't speak any English, which was amazing as a young lawyer because you didn't actually have to talk to any clients. <laughs> and then I sort of developed my own book of business and, and my life actually got busier as I did that because I had clients that could actually talk to me on the phone and email me. So, so then, I, then I learned how to build a team to triage and handle 85 or 90% of the client communications so that we can only focus on the top 10 or 15%. Anyway, fast forward to 2019, about 10 and a half years into my career, some things happened at my old firm. We decided not to expand. We had a key employee leave. And, and then my wife had a really hard third pregnancy, ended up in the ICU and the baby was in the NICU. And so I kind of looked around and said, you know, if I don't maybe go and practice with my dad now, I might not ever get a chance to do that. And the, everything kind of aligned to make it a good time to exit that firm, come on with him. So I joined him in January of 2019. And now I run the auto accident practice in our firm. We have three lawyers on that side. He runs our ERISA long-term disability practice. There's two lawyers on that side. We're based in Northern Virginia. And then just this year, I formally joined him at Great Legal Marketing, where we help solo and small law firm owners run better businesses. Wow. How about that? That's a, that's a journey and a half. How many kids total do you have now? I've got three. I got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old, all boys. 10, 8, and 5, all boys. Okay, so I had two boys, so I can relate. And mine were 10 and 8 when I moved them to Arizona, so I can relate a little bit. You've got that third one in there. Uh, I think that's why Maria decided she didn't want to go. For, we, we talked about having a, a baby girl. We thought, oh, let's try again for a mm. baby girl. And she goes, that ain't going to happen. We're definitely going to have another boy. And if it's okay with you, I'm good with two. And yeah. then we thought about adopting kids at one point, And we really thought about adopting a little girl. And we sat around the table as a family and talked about it. And Michael's brother was kind of all into it. And then we got turned to MPS and we said, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, guys, I don't think we're a three-kid kind of family. <laughs> three, the third is interesting because I'll tell you, having all boys, we also, we were trying for a girl. It didn't happen. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but, you know, my wife had different plans. And anytime that there's one of them removed from the house, the other two are best friends. So any kind of sports practice where one of them's out or, or music or Taekwondo or whatever, the two are best friends. But if there's three in the house, somebody's either being left out or they're competing, usually competing for the affection of the youngest one. So it's, it's been challenging 
especially this time of year, you know, because it's dark when you get home, kids can't go outside, it's too cold to play outside, and there's no sports going on right now. So it's been an interesting month. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine so. (laughs) I would imagine that balance at this time of year could be a little bit difficult without the extracurriculars going on as well. Mm By the way, Michael, I think I fell off there for a second. It must be the wonderful world of the internet. I don't know if uh, you you caught that I was cl- silent, but I, I, uh, I, I was I caught actually that you were silent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was actually talking, but you just couldn't hear me. So, Brian, as I as I looked at your journey here, I, it seems like the journey that you had with the firm that you were working for is not all that dissimilar from the journey that you have now running the law firm, the area of the practice and the law firm that you have. You've developed your own team. You've developed uh, inside of that pretty much the same niche, your book of business. And so that had to feel fairly familiar to you. You have great legal marketing now. I, I talked to your dad. I, I never talked to you about this. And so this little insight that I got from him that you have, you have actually more multiple streams of income coming in as an entrepreneur. Is that an accurate statement? And I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Yeah, so I got into real estate investing a while ago, and it's been a it's been a journey. So just, just kind of backing up, like I I dove down this rabbit hole in 2018 and 2019 of personal finance and financial independence. And in 17 and 18, I was kind of unhappy in my practice. I was building really not a business. I was building a solo practice alongside another solo practitioner in what we were calling a partnership. But it wasn't something that was going to outlast me. We didn't have great systems. We didn't have great processes. We had a great team, but we haven't built a business in the same way that we built it at Ben Glass Law. And so I'm I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm just not all that happy. And so I started kind of mapping out what does the financial finish line look like? And you go down all these rabbit holes of if I can build up 25 times my annual expenses, that probably will last me till I die. I can build up 33 times. That definitely will last me till I die. And then I discovered real estate syndications and quote passive income. You give somebody 25, 50, a hundred thousand dollars and they send you a check every quarter, you get some depreciation. And along, along the same time as that, my wife and I bought an Airbnb at the beach, I think in 2020 or 2021 that we now rent out. So, you know, I'm kind of an accidental real estate investor. I'm not particularly skilled at it, but I don't, What I've learned on that journey, guys, is that many of these real estate investing influencers, their advice is do this so that you can quit your job, right? But I don't, I don't want to learn and compete with them on that, in that marketplace. I rather would invest alongside them as a limited partner and have the income streams coming back in while I'm building a business that I actually like and am a subject matter expert in. So my shifting, my thought has shifted now to, How can you create additional income streams that give you the optionality when you don't want to practice anymore to not practice anymore, rather than how can you build a big enough pile of money that you can, you know, drain it at three or 4% a year and it won't impact you. It's funny. I'm going through that same journey. I'm older than you, but I've been around your age. I, I had, I lost everything. I've shared that on this show before. Mm. And so we had to start all over again and in that journey. And so for me, it was very much, oh my gosh, how do I shove away as much as possible to catch up to where I was and to get me to where I need to be so that I have this pile of money at the end of 25, 33 times, whatever it is, right? And, and or, you know, run the math backwards in a 4% drawdown, blah, 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 based on how long I'm going to live. 
And it's funny, I've come to this conclusion that while I think that it's important to have a plan and you certainly need to have a contingency issue, it very much felt like I was living some sort of finite game mm -hmm. and playing some finite game instead of playing an infinite game where I recognized that, okay, let's have a logical plan of percentages to put away, but not for the end, you know, the ends being, I'm going to stop someday. Like, mm -hmm. I actually like what I'm doing. I, I, I'm going to own a business in some way, shape or form. So even if I wasn't doing this or I didn't own an actual business, I'd be in a charity and that charity runs like a business. And I'd be using all the skills and tools and experiences I've learned through my life to build that charity the way that I know how to build it. I know this is what I'll do the rest of my life. If I was a carpenter, I'd probably build stuff the rest of my life, right? Um, I'm a business owner. That's who I am. And so I've just come to the conclusion I'm not worried quite as much about the pile. That probably helps because I made the pile up, right? Fair enough. I suck a bunch of money away. And it's a lot easier to say that when you've, when you've saved a bunch of money. It's not as easy to say this when you haven't saved a bunch of money and you don't have a, a real good quality plan towards the end uh, or a contingency plan. Yeah. But what I've noticed in this is that I'm curious because you work with a lot of attorneys, as do we, and not... All, many of them are not or, or certainly weren't entrepreneurial in nature. And but I'm hearing that you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Do you think that that was nature or nurture? Ooh. <laughs> That's yeah. So this will be a you can ask. I know you're talking to Ben later today and he has a different answer than this. I think. Oh, that's a good question. I think it's developed. Mm. Um, maybe I. I think that it's, it's honed. So I think, you know, I have never going back to my early job history. I never liked working in jobs where I was making the same amount of money as the person next to me. So I worked in a bagel bakery for a couple of weeks, I used to work at a pizza place and I, I didn't like those as much as I liked the server jobs, your server. Okay. I can move faster than everybody else. I can sell more bottles of wine. And I can and I can be friendlier and increase my tip percentage, right? So yep. now you have some levers to pull to make more money than the other people. So I think that part was was probably nature. Now Ben is going to tell you that he's been espousing this, you know, philosophy of Ben, and then we had all these conversations around the lunch table, the dinner table every night. I'm here to tell you that did not start until I was back from college. It's like there's two, there's really two generations in the family. And I, I didn't, I don't remember getting that in middle school and high school. So you can ask him about that. He'll, he will absolutely disagree when you talk to him this afternoon. But I, I think, I think it's nature, but then it's honed through, through what do you watch and what do you listen to? So lately, it's a lot of Alex Hermosi. It's a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, what did you, you said something earlier that, that, I know that we listen to the same person, but I can't, I can't remember what it is now. So I think you have to hone and develop that. But yeah, I, I do think that people either start off with an entrepreneurial bent or they don't. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that we did in our practice in the law firm a couple of years ago that did not land with our people was we tried to do entrepreneurial style, personal development style, goal setting with the team. Mm. And the feedback that we got was, I don't want to be evaluated on how well do I do my job? And also, did I run a marathon? Did I do the thing that I said I was going to do? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, because that personal development stuff has been so good for us, we think it will be so good for everybody else. But there are people who are not naturally inclined to that. So yeah, as I talk my way through this answer, I do think that it starts with nature. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point. I think there's a seed planted in every entrepreneur, maybe to your point, actually not maybe, for sure, it gets developed over time, right? And that's where the nurture comes into play. If you grow up in an entrepreneurial family, I think it, it gets developed even quicker. And then what you listen to, what you consume, who you surround yourself with, I think all of that contributes to how you develop in, in that role. But I do think at the core, there's just a little seed there. But I, I, so I, I'm curious, and that was a very interesting take there. On, I, I actually haven't heard that, that you actually tried this with the team and it didn't necessarily go so well for them. They, they weren't naturally inclined like that. That's actually very interesting. But along your journey here, I don't like to necessarily call it a failure, but has there ever been a, a down point for you? And what's something that you guys took from it or you took from it personally? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had down points. All trial lawyers have down points, right? I mean, I, I remember being in a courtroom one time after a trial where a judge looked at me and just said, you, you got to have better prepared. You have to better prepare your clients. And I'm like, judge, I spent four hours with her yesterday. Like, what, what do you want me to do? So that, that's a down, a down point. I've had other, you know, things go wrong in a courtroom where you can't get something into evidence. You just feel like you've been kicked in the teeth on the, on the way out the door. And then, you know, the, the only thing to do after that happens to you is to as quickly as you can get back into another courtroom and try again, because it might be the wrong defense lawyer, the wrong judge, or, you know, some, sometimes as a lawyer, like, you were right, right? You are actually legally, factually right. And the judge is wrong. And there, you don't have any control over that, at least at the, you know, to trial court level. So that happens. But the, the remedy is you just have to get back in and get back up and do it again. So can we bridge that gap for those that own a business that, that have failures in, in their business, in their firms, the law firm owners that are listening do you think it's just as applicable that when you get knocked down in, in business that you, you just have to get back up and you have to keep doing it again? Is that the general consensus? Sure. sure. So, you know, you're never as good or as bad as you think they are or they say you are. And it's from your failures or your successes. It's really hard to tell whether it's luck, timing, skill, you know, or, or whether you just don't have the knowledge yet to be successful at whatever the thing is. I've been starting to play around on social media and making videos that I'm putting on Instagram and TikTok and I'll have things that'll take off on one platform and people will just say mean things about me in the comments on others, right? But it's- <laughs> I, don't re I don't read the comments. That just, that solves that solution for me. I have no idea what people say. You, you just have to learn and iterate and try again for a certain period of time. And then you go, okay, maybe, maybe that's not the right platform or venue or, or whatever. But I think the willingness to be wrong and to fail 18 times is what distinguishes successful people from people who give up or never get started in the first place. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, I had that. Sorry, Michael, I don't want to cut you off. I just want to tell this quick story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a, I had a, like you, Brian, I've, I've entered into a diversified portfolio. One of them was a trucking company that I invested in. Mm -hmm. And it's now 99% sure that all of that cash is gone. Um, it's okay. We knew the risk factor and we didn't invest more than we could lose. But I was the young man who, who I, I partnered with for set per se to help me run this venture uh, was in my kitchen yesterday 
And, you know, it, it was pretty clear bankruptcy is going to be required. Mm. And this young man is devastated. I mean, just, just devastated. And I said, look, you made a choice to be an entrepreneur. He said, yes. He said, yes, sir, I did. I said, okay, You've, you're consistent that this is what you want to do. He goes, yes. I go, all right. You just got to know that this season sucks. Mm. And, and the suck is going to suck. Like, you, like people that tell you that, oh, whatever, you can get through it. Yeah, you, you will get through it. And yeah, it's, you're, there is another side. But it sucks. And just like let it suck for a minute, okay? And, and if you need to crawl in the corner and suck your thumb and cry or go in the shower and cry and that's what you got to do, then do it because that's healthy, right? And then after that's over, whatever you give yourself a day or an hour or a week, whatever it is, now we got to pick ourselves up and go, okay, what are we going to do next? I go, so you got to get through step one of step one. Got to find a place to live because you're probably going to get evicted. You got to get the bankruptcy filed because you got to get these debts away. But then you're going to come back to the house and we're going to sit down over coffee and we're going to start discussing what does next look like, right? Because the thing that happened behind us is what we want to learn from. We want to grow from that, right? A lot of people, and, and you know, Brian, you work with attorneys all the time. A lot of attorneys aren't used to failure. Mm-hmm. And so this scares some attorneys, I think, that are that even have an entrepreneurial spirit, this idea of possibly failing. Would you do you agree with that general statement? Yeah, 100 percent. Right. And, and then it only takes one failure and you decide that that thing doesn't work, whether it's social media or Google ads or SEO. You know, I, I think we are what you want to do is look for patterns. And I think lawyers are early on decide that one or two events is a pattern right? and haven't had enough sample size of whatever the thing is to know whether something actually works or not. So I think, yeah, I a hundred percent agree that we are way too easy to give up on the goal. Yeah. I, I, I think that's well said. And I, I think that was a good story, Rich. I, that, that's uh that kind of articulated the whole point. And I think that's one of the biggest attributes I see among not only successful law firm owners, but just successful people is that ability to test something, it flops, have a big failure, it flops, but just keep it going, right? If you don't keep it going, that, that's where things go sideways. So the, the ability to, in Rocky's words, right, get knocked down and get back up again, right? So life's not all sunshine and rainbows. That said, like I said, there are sunshine points too, though. So for you, Brian, what what has been some of the the exciting or the breakthrough or aha moments for you in, in your journey? Oh, sure. So, you know, I was fortunate enough in 2019 to be involved in a medical malpractice trial. We got a 3.4 million dollar verdict in a wrongful death case, and and the aha moment from that. So. I don't know, how do I tell a story without getting too far into the weeds? They were they had anesthetized a, a young man to go in and, and do a stomach surgery on him. And during the anesthesia, there's a period between where where you are paralyzed and where they stick a tube down your throat. And during that period, stuff came up from his stomach, went right back down his throat into his lungs, and he died. And the question was how much stuff came up because the doctor's note said there's only you know 25 ml, very very small amount, and that was all was all through the medical record. We just opposed everybody in the emergency room, and everybody said, oh, just a very small amount, except for one nurse. 
said, no, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Spout coming up, going back down. We're cleaning the whole thing up. And finding the smoking gun in that case was one of those like light bulb moments where you go, this is why we do what we do. And this is why we try these cases and, and bring cases and persist through, you know, the six people who tell you one story and you just have to find the one who, who is just like Florence Nightingale, this old, older uh, grandmotherly nurse. I never seen anything like it in my life. I'll remember it till the day I die. And so having moments like that, like, you know, to your point about, okay, you can go in the, in the shower and cry and suck your thumb. But when you have moments like that, you also have to go and celebrate and reflect, right? Yes, and we, the, this is the other thing that, that entrepreneurs and lawyers are not good at is we get to, you know, we're recording this on December 21st and everybody's planning their goals for 2024 without reflecting on what did you do in 2023 and where's your highlight reel, right? And we, it's so easy to lose track of that in, in the resetting the goalposts and aiming at, you know, 10%, 20% more in the next year. That's so well said. It's something that I can tell you I personally struggle with. You know, I will set a target, hit it, great. Never take time mm -hmm. to celebrate it, set the next target. And it's just constant evolution of next, next, next. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop and reflect. Uh, Rich, would you say you, you could relate to that too? Yeah, I, I just wrote it down because I, 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 and our goals are, my goals are pretty much written in concrete right now for 2024. And I did, I always do go back and say, how many days did I exercise? How many days did I play golf? Like I go through my, did I, you know, did I hit all my spiritual, physical, mental, financial, those types of goals, but I don't know that I took enough time to joyfully celebrate the hard work that we did for sure. And I'll, I'll tell you like Michael and Delaney, every, anybody who's listening to this regularly knows he just got married to Delaney six or seven weeks ago now. And six or seven weeks, honestly, God feels like a lifetime ago. And, and, but but they got this, they got this highlight reel from their wedding. And I have shared that and subsequently watched that video several dozen times. And I cry almost every time I watch it. Obviously, it's my son and my new daughter-in-law, and the videographer did such a great job. But I, I personally feel like I, I want to make it a, a point to watch that thing every month. Cause like, I don't want to forget the joy that was there in that moment. And, and so, yeah, I think we should, if we don't take, if we don't purposely take time to look back at our highlight reel, I think we miss out on some real opportunities. So thank you for saying that, Brian, that's, that's a good nudge for me to do that. Maybe again that, that becomes a 2024 goal for you, right? Maybe that just goes on the list of things that you're going to do next year so that you don't forget about it. That's right. I love it. I think Perfect. that's great. And and I think that's some that's a big nugget that people can take from this because uh, to your point, celebration is just as important as pulling yourself out of a tough time too. So, Brian, I'm sure you've probably got a lot on this one just knowing kind of who you are, but for you, what are some of your daily habits or a key daily habit that you do to continue your sustained success? Yeah, man, when I'm when I'm it's funny because when you look back, you, as you get into these valleys and then you look back on them, you're like, oh, I was in the valley because I wasn't doing any of my habits. Mm -hmm. And, and so I wish I could tell you that I had, you know, five things that I do every day that were, it, I don't on days when I feel best, it's because I've done things like exercise. I got, I bought a hundred gallon Rubbermaid tank that I've converted into a cold plunge in my backyard. That makes me feel really good. 
if I just I, for the record, nothing about that sounds good. Oh, I've heard it. You gotta I try understand it. it. You gotta My try personal it. Personal hell would be waking up in Alaska. Like that would be being cold is something I don't. I, I I'm scared to death of. So I, I hear that it's amazing. So you're telling me it's worth the cold. The so there's a book called Dopamine Nation that talks about this, and it talks about the pendulum of things that feel good and things that feel bad. And when you indulge in the things that make you feel good, alcohol, sugar, carbs, whatever, your body swings back the pendulum and then you feel bad later. Cold is the same way, except you feel bad for three minutes and it releases enough dopamine and endorphins to swing the pendulum back the other way. And the dopamine and endorphin rush that you get from cold exposure for three minutes lasts several hours. So, uh, yes, it's not fun to get in, especially in the winter. It feels really good for the rest of the morning after you've been out. So cold exposure is one of them for me. When I'm at my best, I'm doing journaling and reflection. You know, I'm kind of in and out of periods of that. Yeah, I don't I, I exercise cold exposure, journaling. Those are habits that I, I try to stick to. I love it. I and, and I like that you, you made the point of saying you're at your best when you do those things, right? It, it, maybe it's stuff slips through the cracks. We go through periods where, you know, we do some things, don't do other things, but you're at your best when you do those things. And I think that's very well said. And I think it's probably the most relatable to most people because people wax and wane. And, and I think everyone could agree on that. How about this for relatable? I'd rather be found dead on the side of the road with a cheeseburger in my hand than running shoes on. Okay. There you go. That's the that's the truth. Okay. But you're right. I feel better when I when I get on that silly treadmill because it's cold outside right now. I get on that silly treadmill and I go run for 20 minutes and then I go do some strength training, some stretching, and all of a sudden my I feel better. My day starts mm -hmm. right when I do that. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Michael. I, yeah. I interrupted you. No, no, I, I think that's great. This has been chock full of actionable insights. But what's got you excited, Brian? It could be personal, it could be business. What's got you fired up today? Oh, what's got me fired up today? I'm supposed to take my son skiing for the first time tomorrow. If they can produce enough snow on the mountain, I'm excited about that. My wife and I are in the middle of planning a trip to Yellowstone next summer. And our big thing is for summer 2025, we'd like to spend a, a whole month in a villa in the countryside in Italy. So nice. putting in the systems, the processes, and the people in both of the businesses to allow us to take off work remotely from there, but not have to be deeply embedded in either of the businesses by summer 2025. That's awesome. I love that. So spending a, and that's a summer 2025. Do you have a, a particular location in Italy you guys would love to go? No, no, somewhere that's an easy jumping off point for all of the rest of the country. Awesome. I, I love that. Well, you know, 2025 is year of the Jubilee, right? I don't know what the Jubilee is, so no. Yeah, so just check it out because I, uh, I've i noticed I went pricing airfare and things and it's hard to get bookings that far out. But the year of the Jubilee is the 25-year celebration from you know, it's biblical from the Catholic church and how they celebrate things. It's a Jewish tradition. Honestly, it's mm. where it got started, but yeah, there's just going to be a lot of traffic in Italy in 2025. So just as an FYI warning, you probably got to do this sooner than later. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. 
Well, Brian, I could tell you personally, I appreciate you popping on and sharing so many insights, so many stories, uh, so many things that the law firm owners listening to this could take. And to the law firm owners listening, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here and listen. And as you guys know, we have the gentleman's agreement around here. So if this isn't your first time listening or watching, if you got some value, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on where you're listening or watching. And then comment down below, show Brian some love. A lot of great stuff today, a lot of excellent stories. But Brian, thank you for taking the time to, to be on here today. Thank you for having me. It's good to catch up with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely and, it was. And, and Brian, why don't you uh, go ahead and share, where can people learn a little bit more about you, what you got going on? Sure. Thanks. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. You just find me, Brian Glass, on LinkedIn. I try to post something there once a day. I've started to build Instagram. It's the Brian Glass. And, um, and then if you want to grab uh, the notes from our most, regal, most recent Great Legal Marketing Summit, we're giving those away for free. We had Tim Kausman professionally develop 186 pages of notes, 25 hours of content, 18 speakers. Those are available for free at glmsummitnotes.com. Excellent. Very valuable. Thank you for being willing to share that. And once again, thank you for taking the time today. It was a pleasure, Brian. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yep, absolutely. Hey, everybody, before you leave for the pod, just as a quick shout out, this is probably going out right before our Justice for Joy event. So check it out. There'll be a link in the bio. We're doing a charity event in uh, January 10th in uh, 2024. So I suspect this is coming out the week before that. If you want to go ahead and click on the Justice for Joy event, you can learn more about what MPS and I are doing to launch the year for you and your firm partnering with St. Jude.